All right, all right, all right. Are we excited to be at Epworth? Okay, this has been fun so far. Um, did anybody take a really long shower after the color war? Anybody? I felt like I was like washing Skittles off my body. I just kept like washing my body over and over again. There was just stuff all over the bathroom. I'm with ninth grade boys. Where are you at ninth grade boys? Uh, hygienically, they're still in sixth grade, and it's just, it was just a swamp in there, and I was miserable already, but uh, we got two more days. Yeah, I'm pumped. Okay, so uh, are you excited to be here? Are we excited to be here? Are we excited to talk about Jesus? Are we excited to read our Bibles? If you have a Bible, open it up. We'll have the uh, words on the screen as well. There were also some in the back if you want to look at the real thing, but we'll put everything up here on the screen. We are talking about how to follow Jesus, what it means to be a follower, and we've called this, uh, this talk an invitation, an invitation. So let's pray together, and uh, we are going to get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for a fun day already. We thank you for uh, friends and new friends and life group leaders. We thank you for um, this community that we call United and this opportunity that we call Epworth. And we're just so excited to be here. We're so excited because it's once a year and we've anticipated it so much. Lord, I pray that we will um, feel your presence because we know you're everywhere. But I pray that we'll really feel your presence this week and that we'll hear from you. Whether we walk into this place and we've come to United um, or church or Epworth for seven years or whether we're here for the very, very first time, we hardly know anybody. Lord, I pray that we'll, you will speak to each of us and that we'll feel the love and compassion that comes from a Savior um, that defines real love, that defines true love, that de- defines compassion and acceptance. Lord, we're so excited to be here. We thank you for loving us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we're talking about an invitation and the invitation from Jesus is a very unique invitation. You see, we've all gotten invitations. We've been invited to parties. We've been invited to weddings. Um, When uh, my wife and I got married or right before we got married, we spent uh, hours and hours trying to decide who do we invite, how do we we pick who we invite, and all that kind of stuff, and narrowing down the list and all that kind of stuff. But the thing about an invitation is that um, you are not forced to take it. Otherwise, it really wouldn't be an invitation. An invitation is something that we have the ability to accept or reject or walk away from. And we've all had those things. I know since I've been married, I've dragged Karen to things that she does not want to be at whatsoever. And she's like, I don't care if we got invited. This feels like an obligation. I don't want to be there. And same thing for me. I felt like, oh, do we have to go to that? Do we really have to do that? And so sometimes we get invitations and we're like, oh, I'm so excited about this. I'm so pumped. Sometimes we get invitations that uh, we're not so pumped about, and we're, we're, we're kind of, we, we, might, we might reject it. I have, actually, my best friend, many of y'all know Andrew Davis, but my best friend, uh, and uh, he was, before I met him, I moved here when I was 15, before I met him, um, he was like having his 13th or 14th birthday party. It's kind of a sad story, but it's kind of funny in a way, but anyway, he, uh, he was in middle school, he's in eighth grade, he had this birthday coming up, and uh, he found out some friends of his at school had found out like that the shed um, is where they kept at the school all of the stuff that they put into the vending machines, the Cokes, the candy, the, the snacks, and all that stuff. And somehow they found a key to it or a way to break into it. And so on the reg, like, they would go out to PE, and they would steal all these drinks and stuff. And he's a good Christian boy. And so he said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not really going to be involved with this. And then they just kept on doing it. And eventually, like any good boy, he told his mom. And uh, I told my mom everything until... 
I got married, basically. Um, but uh, that's, that's kind of that's how my relationship is with her. Um, I don't know about you guys, but he, uh, he told his mom, like a good middle schooler should, he went and told his mom, hey, I don't really feel right about this. I feel like they're kind of doing something wrong. And, and like a, I guess like a good mom should, she called the mom of the other boy. And then this boy found out that Andrew had ratted him out. And uh, Andrew didn't really mean for this to happen. He was just kind of confiding in his mom. But he... Uh, just so happened to have invited all of his friends from school to his birthday party. And, you know, it's a middle school party, pool party, pizza, all that kind of stuff. And the day that it happened, nobody came because they were all mad at him. And I've, I've always, that's really always been a downer for me. And I know it's kind of a downer. We're like, oh, we're so excited. But the, it's just, the point is, we don't have to accept an invitation. And these boys decided we're mad at him. We don't want to accept this invitation to his party. And, and the truth is, we all have the opportunity to accept or deny, or reject, or walk away from the invitation that Jesus gives us. And here is Jesus' call to us. Here is Jesus' call to us. It is follow me. And I invite you, um, in your books, there's a place for you to take notes um, for this talk. And so uh, write that down. Jesus' call to us is follow me. It's an action step. He doesn't say, hey, come to this event, come to Epworth, come to uh, a worship service. He says, follow after me. Continually follow after me. It's like this lifelong pursuit. The other things he says is, is uh, some people were coming after him, and he was like, uh, they were like, where are you going? And he says, come and see. Kind of the same connotation as follow me. It, it requires that they actually come after him. There's another time where he says that exact thing. He says, if you want to come after me. And repeatedly he would give these, these, these invitations that required people to move. And so that is his invitation to us is to follow him, to follow me, Jesus says. And here's what he offers. He offers peace. And a lot of us think about peace. We think about world peace. We think about political peace. We think about uh, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus offers us the kind of peace that is deep inside of us. He offers us the opportunity to be completely um, carefree in him, knowing that he is in ultimate control of everything. He offers us peace. He offers us love and acceptance. Many times as individuals, that's one of our biggest needs as human beings is love and acceptance, especially as teenagers. You guys know this. All you really, really want is to be loved and accepted. And you may say, oh my God, I don't really, I'm not really into that. But the truth is we've all wanted to be loved and accepted. This is why we do some really stupid things. This is why we do um, some, some things to impress people. This is why we do things that we know we shouldn't do because we want to be loved and accepted by other people. People. And a lot of times we will do whatever it takes. Some of you can, can think of right now some of whatever you, it takes moments. Some times where you have done whatever it took, whatever it took to have love and acceptance. Jesus offers, when he, when he says follow me, he offers us unconditional love and acceptance. It doesn't matter how smart you are, what your talents are, how good looking you are, how you dress, how old you are, what color your skin is. It does not matter. He offers us love and acceptance. When he says, follow me, he's offering us forgiveness, grace for whatever you have done wrong. Think about that. Whatever you have done wrong, whatever you have even thought wrong. And we all know we have some messed up stuff in us. And you can cast all the, the Bible stuff aside and all the, the Jesus and religion and all that stuff. And we all know, we really all know that, that we're messed up, that we have problems. And we might be able to compare ourselves to someone else, but we know. We know we need forgiveness. We know we need a savior. We know we need grace. Jesus offers us joy. Now, a lot of us don't know what joy is. We know what happiness is. If I get what I want when I want, I'm happy. If I don't, I'm mad. 
If I get the grade, I'm happy. If I don't, I'm mad. If I get the girl, I'm happy. If I don't, I'm mad. If I go to the party, I'm happy. If I don't, I'm mad. If I get the substance, I'm happy. If I don't, I'm mad. But we don't understand joy a lot of times in this culture where we always want what we want when we want it. But Jesus offers us joy no matter what your circumstances are because we are in him, rooted in him, we can have joy. Another thing, and this is, this is so important, something that he offers us is purpose. So many of us, especially young people, are looking for what our purpose is. I've, I can't tell you how many stories of, of teenagers I've heard where they say, I, I have no idea why I'm here. What's the point? Nobody cares about me. Nobody notices me. Why am I here? What, what, what does God want for me? What, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where am I supposed to go to college? Where am I supposed to, 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 to work? Where am I supposed to move? I, I, I don't know where I belong. And Jesus gives us purpose. And his purpose is follow after me. I will show you what to do. I will give you an ultimate purpose that is different and eternal. Now, here's the cool thing. As I, as I talked about with invitations, um, they're not obligations. And Jesus, a lot of times we approach Jesus' invitation like, oh my gosh, oh, whatever, Jesus, I guess I'll come after you. I guess I'll fall, oh my gosh, united. Oh, I don't want to go to that. Tonight. Life groups, I am not, I got other stuff to do. I got more important things to do. Oh, united, uh get up and read my, my Bible, get up and pray, think on Jesus, listen to worship music. Like, these are things I don't want to do. Serve someone else, give of my time and my money. Like, oh, it's so like, it's such an obligation to us sometimes. But the truth is, Jesus offered us an invitation. He said, you can come and follow me. You can come and you can follow me. He didn't force them. He didn't put people in handcuffs and guide them away and say, you're going to follow me. He, he said, if you want, come and see. Come and see what life is like, and I can offer you the most amazing, abundant life ever. It's not an obligation. And one of my favorite places in Scripture is Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. Open up to Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. This is a, a, a portion of Scripture called the calling of Matthew. Guess what? Matthew, the writer, is talking about his own story. He's talking about when he was called by Jesus. And... Uh, I have um, back here some uh, exciting stuff from Sunday school of the 1980s. It's called a felt board. Has anyone ever heard of a felt board? And this thing, come on. This is, this is an amazing thing. So I'm going to tell the story on the felt board. Some of you can see it. Uh, by the way, we got Shelby G on the drawing, so that's pretty cool. Everybody give it up for Shelby. All right, so here are the things with felt boards. Um, back before we had TVs and graphics and videos made by Cole, we had felt. Um, it's kind of like a sticker, except it's not. And, um, it, and you could pull it off and put it back on. You could do whatever else. And, and you would spend hundreds of dollars on something like this, this beautiful blue scape. This would be kind of like good for a, Mos uh, a Noah scene. Noah in the ark, and he's floating along. But we're going to turn it into a desert. Pretty incredible, huh? We got some pretty mountains. Look at this. This is like special effects. You think this is cool and this is cool? HD. I mean, th this is a felt board. This is amazing. So we've got a, we've got a little town. Jesus is, uh, is walking into a town in Matthew 9, and he's just healed a, uh, a paralyzed man. He's just healed a paralyzed man. And so this crowd is following him. Look, he's in the desert. This is like the town gate. There's some rocks. And um, here are all the people following after Jesus. Look at that. Wow. And here's Jesus, of course, with the red sash, the sash of salvation. So he's facing them, even though they're following him. But you, you don't have much room to work with when you're talking about a felt board. So you just kind of got to do what you got to do. And there was this tax collector named Matthew. 
Now, these felt boards would also include 1980s Baptist preachers. And, um, and this is one of them. And he has a suit, but they have robes. But he's part of the story, too. And so um, Matthew was a businessman. He was a tax collector. And, and if you've spent any time at, at United, you know what the deal is with tax collectors. Tax collectors were seen as the worst of the worst. Here's why. Because Romans, the Roman government was ruling Israel, and they hated Rome. Well, guess who collected taxes? The government, the Roman government. And guess who they employed? Tax collectors. Well, guess what? Tax collectors were Israelis, were Jewish people, people that were uh, of, the, of the nation of Israel who worked for the Roman government. They were traitors. They, they, were, they were seen as kind of the worst of the worst, and, and the vast, vast majority of them stole from the people. Not just, they, they would take like the taxes, like 10%, and then they take another 10% for themselves. And no one could really say anything because they were surrounded by like a bunch of Roman soldiers. And they're like, okay, you're not going to pay me? And they'd be like, uh, okay, I get it. If, I'm, if I don't pay you what you're stealing from me, you're going to kill me. So I just got to pay you whatever you ask for. So we have Jesus walking into this village. And he's got all these followers because he did this amazing miracle. And it says this in verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. He's in the process of stealing. He's sitting at his little booth. I have a table somewhere in here. Come on. Where's my table? Oh, here it is. He's got all his little coins on it, and he's got his uh, table, and he's sitting. And as people are walking down, it was probably like a toll booth. As people are walking down the road, he would, he would say, okay, for going down this road, you have to pay a certain amount of money. And so... Jesus walks in, and he sees this, this tax collector, this hated man, and his two words to him are very simple. Follow me. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew got up and followed him. Now, Matthew had probably heard about Jesus. He lived in the area. Jesus had been going around, like, healing people and doing crazy stuff and, and like, and like uh, make, having these arguments with the uh, Pharisees and, like, kind of embarrassing them and, and just kind of ruining them. And, and so people knew about Jesus. So Matthew probably had heard about Jesus. He might have even thought, Jesus is a cool guy. Look at what he's doing. This is, this is kind of cool. But Matthew didn't know Jesus. He had never even seen Jesus, maybe. But as he walks up, you can imagine him sitting there and thinking, oh, wow, that's Jesus. Like some of you have been at, been at Angie's or, or, or some other workplace, and you see like a Jaguar walk in, and you're like, oh, cool. And you might, you might Snapchat him on the down low, and you're kind of like doing it like this to show, show that your friends, that like Blake Bortles came to your work or something like that. And you, and you think it's kind of cool when a celebrity comes into your work. And so this is his situation. He's at work, and all of a sudden Jesus walks by, and he's like, man, this is, this is kind of cool. But then Jesus looks at him, and you can imagine him kind of think, oh, gosh, no. No, 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 no. I, I know, I know, I know. I'm hated. Nobody likes me. I'm the tax collector. I'm evil. You don't, you, 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 please don't say anything to me. Please just kind of look past me and go somewhere else. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear another lesson. I've been called down by the Pharisees and the priests all the time. I'm tired of being embarrassed. I'm tired of being an outcast. Please look past me. And then Jesus starts to talk, and you can imagine him. Oh, no, 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 no. Here it comes. Here comes the judgment. Here comes the condemnation. Here comes him telling me that I'm messed up and I'm wrong. This is, so, oh, this is turned into a disaster. And then Jesus says those words, follow me. And he doesn't kind of st- him and ha and be like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. He, he gets up, the Bible says, he gets up and he follows after him. Imagine he left the Roman soldiers. He left the money. He left everything. He just gets up and follows him. Now we fast forward. Sometimes in the Bible, we don't get a ton of details. So we fast forward to kind of a nighttime scene. The day is over, and, and Jesus is at a party. 
It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. So the assumption is Matthew has invited Jesus over. So he's gotten up and he's followed him. And he, hasn't just, he doesn't just know about him anymore. He is now in a relationship with him. And what did you do? And what do you still do with people that you're in a relationship? You invite them over. You hang out. You go out to eat. But unlike our dinners, a lot of times we might just have these casual, hey, yeah, you want to meet up at Starbucks or Chick-fil-A? We'll spend like 30 minutes and then we'll go on our separate ways. A, 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 a dinner in this time was, was a much more intimate thing, a much, more, a much bigger deal. It might last hours throughout the night and you'd invite them into your home and when they would sit at these tables, they'd recline. So they'd like be laying down next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, eating from this table. And, uh, and so it was kind of like an intimate thing. And so what it meant was Jesus and him were in a relationship. Jesus didn't just say, hey, follow me and I'm gonna walk around and maybe you can follow after me and I won't really pay attention to you. No, he was saying, you're actually, I'm actually gonna hang out with you. And so he accepts the invitation, and guess who's at this party? Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, what do you expect? He was a tax collector. Who are tax collectors friends with? Other tax collectors, other cheats, other people that are known as sinners, that are outcasts, that are not allowed in the church, not allowed in the synagogue, not allowed to be a part of all this. And so they're having this dinner, and Jesus and his disciples are hanging out with the worst of the worst. And then the Pharisees saw this. The Bible doesn't necessarily say, but, but it, it seems as if somebody didn't get invited to the party, did they? Why would he have invited the Pharisees, the people who had talked down to him and his friends? And so Mr. Pharisee, Mr. Chief Priest is coming into the party, and he's kind of just watching on the outside. He's looking in through the window. You can imagine all these teachers thinking, oh, like, we... We want to see what's going on, but we didn't get invited, so we're just going to kind of look in through the window because they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have, like, glass windows. We're just going to kind of, kind of peek in and see what happens. But even though they didn't get invited, all of a sudden they start saying, hey, hey, Peter, John, come over here. Disciples, come over here. We have something to tell you. Why does your teacher, why is Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners? Now, Jesus isn't just like a normal dude because he hears everything. And even if he doesn't hear it, he knows it. He knows what you're thinking. There's people, times in scripture where he just like reads people's minds. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he knows what I'm t- thinking. And he knows what my, my heart's saying. But somehow he hears what's going on. And so on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. The healthy don't need to go to the hospital. The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick. The sick need the doctor. And then he says this, hey Pharisees, go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Here's what he's telling them. Guys, teachers, priests, you love to go into the temple and pray your prayers and make your tithes and sacrifice your goats and all that kind of stuff. And you love for everybody to see it. But how much do you have mercy on people? How much do you forgive? How much do you accept people outside of your friend group? He knew what the Pharisees did. He knew why they weren't invited to this party because they looked down on these people. They had an elite club that not everyone was allowed into. And so he questions them. He says, why don't you have a little bit of mercy and stop worrying so much about the sacrifices? For I, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So here's the next thing in your note. And actually, we we already covered, covered this part, but following requires movement. Matthew got up and followed after Jesus. He didn't just say, 
okay, I'll sit back here and just see and, and, and see where you end up. How ridiculous it would it be for those of you who drive if, um, if you got uh, in the car and someone said, and your phone was off, you didn't have battery, and you didn't know how to get somewhere, and you're in a new town, and you said, okay, I'll follow you to, to this restaurant. You have no idea how to get there. And they say, okay, follow me. Just, just, just kind of stay behind me. And then you just park your car and watch them drive away. That, that's not following. And you, oh, no, 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 go, go ahead. I, I see you. Uh, now I don't see you so much, but uh, I'll, I'll catch up later. You don't know where to go because you're not actually following. But a lot of times that's how our following looks like. Go on, Jesus. I'm right back here. I'll see you Sunday, okay? I'm right back here. I'm just, I see you. I can still see you. It's like when a kid, like when a parent doesn't pay attention to their kids. Yeah, I'm watching, honey. All right. And, we, and then, okay, yeah, that's great. That's great. Good job. And they don't even know what they're saying good job for because they're not actually watching. They just said they're watching and they're kind of sitting at a distance. Well, the truth is following requires movement. And another truth is Jesus invites everyone. Jesus invites everyone. Just not, not, not just the pretty people, not just the great people, not just the, the, the holy people. He invites even the tax collectors. And it doesn't matter what your age is, what your race is, your past, your future, your nationality, your politics, your money. It does not matter. You are invited. Jesus has called each of you, every single one of you. I don't care what grade you're in. Look at me. I don't care what grade you're in. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your past is. I don't care if this is the first time you've ever been to a, a church thing. Jesus has called you to follow him. Here's a, here's a pretty unique thing that goes even deeper into this story. Rabbis at this time were a little bit more like elite colleges. You see, they would not put themselves out there and go invite somebody to follow them. They wouldn't say, hey, come on, come on follow me. Because if they got rejected, they would look bad. So what they did was they looked a little bit more like Yale or Harvard. They took resumes. Oh, come on. Get, bring your resumes to me and I'll pick the best of the best to follow me. I'll pick the, the greatest. And then they would like quiz people. They'd be like, well, what's like the 11th verse of the 11th chapter of, uh, of the writings of Isaiah? What is it? Hey, hey, read, read, uh, read the, just recite the Torah for me, which was the entire first five books of the Bible. Hey, just uh, tell me, tell me exactly um, where this prophet was and when they were, when they, when they gave this prophecy. And they would just quiz them. They'd only take the best of the best. And if they didn't like what tribe you were from, what family you were from, what your background was like, they'd just reject you. But Jesus, Jesus goes and invites someone. He doesn't just invite anybody. He doesn't invite this, this star pupil. He invites a tax collector. The worst of the worst. Now in Luke and Mark, the, the writings of Luke and Mark, the Gospels, they also tell about this same exact story. And the story is almost exactly the same. There's just one difference. And that one difference is they use a different name for Matthew. And that name that they use is Levi. Well, what does that matter? It's just a different name. Here's why it matters. In the Bible, all the names matter. Because they all mean something. And they would, they would give you family names. And it was a big deal. It wasn't just like people now that just name their kids something random. Like, it was a huge deal. And when they named him Levi, here's what Levi meant. Attached or pledged to God. Attached or pledged to God. This was the tribe of Israel who would work in the temples. And so when they're, uh, you can imagine like 20, 30 years before when, when these parents named their little baby boy Levi, they had such hopes for him. Man, he's going to be a rabbi. Man, he's going to work in, in the temple. Man, he is going to follow after God. He could be a prophet. Man, he's going to be amazing. He is set apart for God. And now look at him, sitting at a booth, stealing money from people, the worst of the worst. You can imagine that he even kind of looked back and thought, man, I can't believe I'm such a, I'm such a, 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 just a shameful person in my family. 
But the truth was that Jesus came and called him. Jesus knew his name. He knew who he really was. And he knew that he did have a future following after God. He did have a future working for the kingdom of heaven. He did have a future being set apart or attached to God. He just hadn't gotten there yet. And he saw what he really was and who he really was, even sitting at that tax collector booth. And even though Levi, Matthew, had had turned and run away from the church, many of you have done the same thing, and they didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't want anything to do with it, but, but, Jesus still called him. And so, here's, here's my call for you guys tonight. We need to define the relationship. We need to have a DTR. Now, when I was in middle school, uh, DTR was a popular phrase. I don't know if it is anymore, but it meant define the relationship. Some of you girls have no idea what it means because you've never met a boy that's willing to define the relationship. And if he's not, you should kick him to the curb, okay? Uh, When they don't want to define the relationship, that's just a little relationship advice for you, okay? If they just want to date you and get a little bit of something-something on the side, but they don't want to tell their friends they're actually dating you, They're jerks, okay? And so you don't want to stay with them. But DTR is when you like somebody, they like you, and you're like, well, what is this? Is this going to be casual? Are we just going to be friends? Are we going to be uh, uh, exclusive? Are we going to go on dates? Are we going to tell people? Are we going to be Facebook official? Are we going to let everyone know? Or are we just going to kind of be a secret? Are we just going to kind of keep it on the side? We have to define the relationship and have a DTR with Jesus. We've got to ask, are we going to be exclusive with Jesus? Are we going to follow him only? Or are we going to follow him and maybe a little bit of this and that? Are we going to uh, be serious with him? Or are we just going to kind of have a casual relationship with you? Hey, Jesus, we'll go out on Sunday night, 6.15. I'll see you at the church. It's going to be great. Hey, you know what? Let's go out on two dates this week. I'll see you at, on Wednesday night at 6.45 at Life Group. That's going to be a great date, too. And um, <laughs> you know what? I got, I got a couple extra minutes right now, Jesus. I know it's been a couple of months, but... Let's spend a little time together. Let's, let's read it together. Let's talk a little bit. Are we going to be committed? Or is it just going to be a casual thing? In the Bible, it says that there were times where thousands of people were following after Jesus. And then he'd give this hard teaching. It's almost like he was trying to figure out who was really in it for him. Who was really wanting to follow after him. And it says in the Bible, actually in John 6, it says that many turned and walked away. And again, we think, how how ridiculous. God was right in front of you. Why did you walk away? But we do the same thing every day. So here's the question for you. And we're going to ask this question all weekend long. And we're going to just dig through it. And it's this, are you a fan or a follower? Now this question's kind of offensive, quite honestly. Are you a fan or a follower? Now, here's what I want you to to know. And and this is my disclaimer for the whole weekend. We are not, and I am not, over this, the course of this series, trying to get you to question your salvation. If you have given your life to Christ, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you remember the time where you raised your hand or where you were on a mission trip or whatever, and you gave your life to Christ, you are a Christian, you are redeemed, you are changed, you have grace over your life, you have eternity in heaven with him. We're not trying to get you to question your relationship or your salvation, but we are trying to get you to look deeper at whether or not you're actually following Jesus. Think about that. Am I actually following Jesus? Am I getting up and going after him, or am I kind of just sitting on the side watching him walk away? And then every once in a while, I'll catch up. Are you a fan, or are you a follower? So I want to read to you the description of a fan. Listen to this. Here's the most basic definition of a fan in the dictionary. An enthusiastic admirer. 
It's the guy who goes to the football game with no shirt and a painted chest. He sits in the stands and cheers for his team. He's got a signed jersey hanging on his wall, but he's never in the game. He never breaks a sweat or takes a hard hit in the open field. He knows all the players and their stats, but he doesn't actually know the players. He yells and he cheers, but nothing is required of him. There's no sacrifice he has to make. And if the team starts losing after a couple of years, usually his passion goes away. And he might even jump off the bandwagon and go follow a team. He's an enthusiastic admirer. He is a fan. It's the woman who never misses the celebrity news show. She knows everything about her favorite actress or her favorite band. She knows every movie they've been in, every song they've ever come out with. She knows the birthday of them, who they're dating, all of that. But she doesn't actually know them. And that person doesn't know her. She's a huge fan, but she's just a fan. She's an enthusiastic admirer. And Jesus today has a lot of fans. A lot of people who love him when things are going right and who walk away when things are going wrong or when we don't like something he says. A lot of people who love to go to the big events and the big mission trips and the big worship services, but on a day-to-day basis, uh, I don't know. I don't know about following him. A lot of people that come and we'll sit in the seats and we'll cheer them on. Sounds kind of like a stadium. Sounds kind of like an athletic event. Now, Again, we're not, we're not getting you to question your salvation or whether or not God loves you because he does and he invites you. We're getting you to really think deep about your relationship with Jesus. Are you following him or are you a fan? And here's what we're automatically gonna start doing. We're automatically gonna start comparing ourselves to other people. This is, this is the automatic, you guys, as you started thinking, am I a follower or fan? Am I a follower or fan? Well, okay, well, I'm better than that person. So that's worth something, right? But notice notice what we do when we compare ourselves with people. We're not comparing ourselves with Mother Teresa. We're not comparing ourselves with the Apostle Paul. We're not comparing ourselves with Pastor Jerry. We're comparing ourselves with the drug dealer at our school. We're comparing ourselves with Hitler. We're comparing ourselves with murderers. We're comparing ourselves with people in prison. We're comparing ourselves with the people that we know uh, that, that we think are worse than us. And it's a lie. And it doesn't really help us figure out whether we're actually following Jesus, we start thinking about the rules. Hey, well, I don't drink. I'm a virgin, so I must be a follower. Well, not necessarily. Are you? I mean, really think about this. Just because you listen to a few rules, does that mean you're following after Jesus? Think about it. But that's what we think about. Our mind goes to comparisons. Our mind goes to to rules. Did, Did I listen to the rules today? Did I pay attention today, this week? We start thinking about our family. Well, my family's been in the church for years. My dad's a deacon. My dad's on leadership board. My mom teaches Sunday school. Man, I must be a follower, right? Maybe. That doesn't really tell us the answer. Or, or we go to our knowledge of the Bible. Hey, can I tell you all the, the, the verses I, I memorized? Can I tell you about the mission trip I went on? Can, you tell me, can I tell you about how long I've gone to church? Hey, let me recite the, uh, the, the New Testament books to you. I can do it. I got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 3, 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. Does that make me a follower? No, I went to Sunday school. They taught me a song. That doesn't do anything. I, I, I didn't do the song. I just kind of wrapped it there, but it was like a corny, cheesy kid's song. And that's what we did before Promised Land. We just sat in a room and practiced songs together to memorize books of the Bible. That doesn't make us followers. Our knowledge doesn't make us a follower. What did Matthew know? When he got called and became a follower, he knew nothing. But he got up and he walked after Jesus. Now, 
This is the last scripture I want to look at. James 2. It's in the back of the Bible. James 2. James chapter 2. Verse 14. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Why is he a half-brother? Because his daddy wasn't God, okay? His daddy was Joseph. And so he was the half-brother of Jesus. Now, imagine growing up with Jesus. Imagine thinking, my brother's not the Messiah. This is ridiculous. Imagine the comparisons between him and Jesus. It, it, it goes without saying, he didn't really follow Jesus at first. He knew Jesus. He might have even kind of had that love-hate relationship that brothers have, but he didn't follow Jesus. But something happened. He saw his brother raise people from the dead. He saw his brother do miracles. He saw his brother love the least of these. He saw his brothers draw thousands and thousands of people to him. He saw his brother die and come back to life. And then he decided, I should probably follow my brother. He must be who he says he is. And so he writes this book in James, and it's kind of one of the meanest books in the Bible. He's very real. Like, he's real talk, and he kind of ruins people. And he's writing to Christians a lot of times, or basically his whole book is to Christians. And he's writing to Christians, and he's saying, are you a fan or are you a follower? Because he lived with Jesus. He saw Jesus. He knew what it meant to actually be like Jesus. And he saw a lot of followers of Jesus, and he said, you're not really like Jesus. You're like a fan. You're just, you're just saying you know him, but do you really? And then here's what he says in, in James 2, 14 through 18. Now, this, I'm telling you, this weekend, I, I know it sounds a little harsh right now, but we're going somewhere, I promise you, so just trust me, we're going somewhere with this. In James 2, he says this in 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them. What's he saying? He's not saying your faith or your salvation is gone if you're not good enough. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. If you never do anything, if you don't actually follow Jesus, if you don't actually act like Jesus, do you really have much faith in him? Do you really, are you really following him? Or do you just kind of like him from afar? Are you just kind of a fan? He says, verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their actual physical needs, what good is it? Are they going to be any more fed? Are they going to be any more warm? No. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But then someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. In other words, well, I do stuff, you have faith. It's kind of like we can all kind of, we just have our own thing. And he says, well, show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Here's what James is saying. The band can go ahead and come back up. Here's what James is saying. James is saying that if you, if you are a follower of Jesus, then it has to show. There, there has to be some change. There has to be some fruit. Are you, are, are, if you're following him, shouldn't you be like him? Hey, here's the truth we get from this scripture. Following and believing are always connected. Write that down. Make sure you just sear that in your mind. Following and believing are always connected. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, you follow him and you become like him. And you would not follow someone, especially the places he calls us, if you didn't actually believe in him. And so this is why we see over and over that people would turn away from Jesus and walk away. Because the truth was, they were fans. They weren't followers. And it's almost like Jesus was testing people. 
And he still is today. He's like, he's like are you really going to come after me? Do you really actually want to follow me? And I want, you to, I want you to answer this question in your mind right now. Do you actually want to follow Jesus? Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your phone. Don't look down at your notes. Don't kind of wiggle around because you think I'm almost done. I want you to think about this. Do you follow Jesus? Are you following Jesus? My hope is that many of you realize, hey, I'm on the right path. I'm not perfect. I never will be, but, but I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in this whole following thing. I feel like I, I am following after Jesus, but, but I know, because I know my heart, and I know people, and I know how things are. All of us are not following. And maybe we were at a time, maybe a few years ago, things were great. You were on fire. You were following him like crazy. And maybe, if you really think about it, uh, not so much anymore. Not so much recently. Not so much this school year or, or the past couple of weeks. And so what we're going to do this weekend is we're going to do a, a heart check through life groups, through our messages. We are going to do a heart check. We're going to think about whether we are actually followers or whether we're fans. Here's the last thing that I want to close with, this quote. There was a guy named C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a, was a theologian. He wasn't like some uh, perfect person. He actually didn't come to know Jesus until late in his life. He lived in England, and he started writing all these books. You might know his name because he wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and The Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote all kinds of books, some amazing writings from just a normal guy that loved Jesus. And he gives us this quote. He gives us this quote. If you're thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you're embarking on something which will take the whole of you. You're embarking on something that will take the whole of you. Here's what he's saying. I'm warning you, you want to follow Jesus? It's going to take everything. Not just your weekends, not just when you're, when you're, when you're happy, not just when things are, are feeling good for you, not just when your friends are in on it. It's every day. As Ivan said in the video, it's so daily. It's so repetitive. But that's what happens when you follow someone day after day. If you, if you stop following, if you're way back here, you lose touch and you, and you can't really see them. And so we have to daily keep in step with Jesus, keep in step with the Spirit. And so that's where we're going to leave it tonight. That's where we're going to leave it tonight. And we're going to continue to look at this question of are you a fan or a follower tomorrow morning? And again, we're going somewhere. We got a destination in mind. And it might feel a little bit uncomfortable. We're not going to do an altar call tonight. We're not going to do some special response. We're not going to ask you to come to know Jesus tonight. I just want that question to ring in your mind tonight when you're laying in bed. Am I a fan or a follower? And I want it to make you uncomfortable. I want us to acknowledge where we're at. And I'm going to do the same thing when I put my head down on my pillow tonight. I'm going to be thinking, am I a fan, Ryan, or am I a follower? Let's pray together. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you invite everyone, not just some people, not just holy people, not just perfect people. There are no perfect people. You invite everyone. As we look at Matthew, Levi, as we look at him, we see that you come to us and ask us to follow you, and you give us an option. We don't have to do it. We're not obligated to do it. We have the opportunity to do it. Jesus, we thank you for reaching out to us sinners and tax collectors. We're messed up and we need you. And you reach out to us because of how much you love us. 
Lord, I pray that the people in this room, the students, the adults, the people that have been following you for years, or maybe the people that don't even know you, would know tonight, right now, they would feel in their heart how much you love us. Lord, I pray we feel your love right now. We're not sure where the rest of this weekend's going, but we want to feel your love right now. I pray that your presence would be felt by each and every one of us. Even if we don't know what's going on in our heart, we don't know what's going on around us, Lord, I pray that we'd feel your presence, Lord. Lord, you love us so much. We thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray that we'd be a room full of followers before this is all said and done. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship Jesus and praise him for his love.